For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Well, it's 12.29 a.m. Headed back from Club Comedy in Seattle. Gotta, Gotta keep your head on a swivel at this time of night. A lot of drunks. Some people are recording podcasts in their car. A lot of distracted driving. I like that club comedy in Seattle, which I guess is a good thing because I'm going to be there every six months indefinitely. Uh, Look, there's some stereotypes about Seattle that are true-ish. One of them is uh, their inability to process humor properly. And I would say there might have been, out of the, how many shows did I do? Five? No, four, because one of them got canceled. Uh, One of them was like, I would call it very Seattle. Which is, uh, you know, just kind of a little, aww, noise when you do a joke that's too self-deprecating or oddly, even though, you know, I feel like most of Seattle is in a polyamorous relationship and they're so open sexually about all these things. But sometimes when you get into the dirtier stuff, you feel the crowd pull back a little bit. They're, uh... My, uh, my pal Casey McLean calls it, uh, sometimes the, the left, the progressive people, which, you know, I'm a pretty progressive guy myself, but progressive people sometimes are, uh, they're, they're, they're the new Puritans. Like, oh, you shouldn't say that. That's not right. Weird morality, which is odd. But that was, oh, but I will say this about Seattle. If you make fun of them for being too Seattle, they're fine with it. They laugh. So anyway, had some great shows. By the way, I don't even know what table it was, but whoever didn't know what pegging was, I heard you go. When I said safe word, you, I heard you go, I do know that one. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. So great. First show tonight sold out. That's a $100 bonus for your boy Rutledge. Plus today at Martin Way Diner in Olympia, Washington, I took my son and my youngest daughter, and uh, we played ten dollars worth of pull tabs, and we won one hundred seventeen dollars. You can't tell me shit right now. One hundred seventeen playing pull tabs, a hundred dollar bonus at the comedy show. Everything's coming up, Rutledge. It's very funny to win that $117 playing pull tabs. Because Martin White Diner, uh, if you're an old school Olympia 
person. It used to be called the ribeye, but it's been Martin Wade Donner a long time. But it's the kind of place I like to eat at home and when I travel. A place where you'd find mostly old men saying inappropriate things to a waitress. That's where I like to hang out. The kind of place where you say, I actually don't want toast with my omelet, and they look at you like, ugh, this goddamn millennials. And I'm like, actually, I'm almost 50. But we won $117 playing pull tabs. Which is very exciting. You know, it's like free food plus some other money. And then uh, my son, my 20-year-old son and my 11-year-old daughter begin arguing because my son said we should take 20 of those dollars and buy 20 more tickets. And I was like, I don't want to. And then they started arguing. That's how quick family life turns. Oh my gosh, you guys, we won $117 two minutes later. Just stop it. Stop fighting. And also... uh, my daughter Olive had a spaghetti and garlic bread, and I think she's had garlic bread in her life. I know she has, but for some reason it was a big hit. She wanted to order more. I said no. Then we went home. She said, can we make garlic bread? And I said, it would be shitty, but sure. So, you know, I put some butter on some toast, on some bread, and some garlic salt. Put it in the oven, turned on the broiler forgot about it, opened it up, they were, both the toasts were on fire, I had to throw them in the sink with the water running, you know, life's like that, one moment you're winning 117 bucks, an hour later you're putting out a kitchen fire, so yeah, fun weekend in Seattle, I mean, we did have to cancel the second show, Friday night, I think five tickets sold in a room that holds 80. It's a small room, but you know. The club owner blamed it on uh, St. Patrick's Day, and I'm perfectly willing to blame it on St. Patrick's Day as well, because I don't want it to be my fault. I mean, we had 50-something at the first show, but anyway. I was actually happy to go home, because, uh, my wife's out of town. A bit of a girl's weekend. Uh, that's why my son is home, so he can watch my youngest, uh, my middle daughter. Maisie is at some sort of uh, theater camp? Theater weekend? State theater thing? I don't know. She's out of town. And now we're all slowing down, and I don't know. someone's car die? Was there an accident? Did someone realize they were too drunk to drive and just stop in the middle of the road? Oh, it's definitely an accident. Shit. Please slow down behind me. Oof. 
that's uh, not a good one. Not not bad, and like I don't think anyone's seriously injured. But when your car is facing the wrong direction on the freeway, that's uh, it's not a good sign. a weird feeling to drive past an accident because you're like you know there's already people out of their vehicles there's nothing I can do but it's also like someone's night is ruined someone is going through a whole bunch of shit and you're just like zip see ya told you, gotta keep your fucking head on a swivel! At 12.39 on I-5. Anyway, my wife's not home, so I was happy to uh, be able to come home early last night. My wife Christy's doing a bit of boozing, a little bit... <laughs> And uh, so she's sending me text. I'm literally, <clears throat> I'm saying things to her like, stop texting me. Hang out with your friends. But she's sending me like rambly drunk text messages that don't make a lot of sense that say I love you at the end. So I'll take it. I guess there's such a thing as a men's weekend. I guess there's golf trips. There's... You have to have an excuse, I feel like, as a man. You have to be like, we're going fishing. We're going golfing. We're going... Women are much better at being just like, let's be friends for a weekend. Let's sit in a hot tub and cry about some shit. Which I might do by myself when I get home. more than you really want to about me. I, uh, you know, when no one's around, I like to go in the hot tub naked. Who wouldn't want their balls to float? <laughs> so we have a fenced-in backyard, and no one can really see the, the hot tub, like, undercover. But you really, you can to see through one part of the fence for our backyard neighbor and I always wonder uh, what sort of atrocities they've seen crawl in and out of that hot tub I mean they probably look through the fence and try and see it when they hear me say things like ah feels so good when your balls float. I mean, that probably gets their attention. I used to have a, a very old joke about, uh, well, it wasn't old then, but I had a joke about having sex in a hot tub, how it's overrated. Like, every time I've had sex in a hot tub, I think the same thing. 
How are we underwater and it's still dry? Limited success with that joke. All or nothing. Applause break or stunned silence. doing a show in Olympia, March 25. Possibly my biggest show ever there. I don't know. We're ahead of where we've been a week out before. So, we'll see. I think we got 450 something sold with a week to go. So hopefully we'll hopefully we'll close with like 100 people. We usually do in the last week. So hopefully we'll get up to 550. That would be the most ever. Anyway, I have to watch the ads for my shows. I work with someone. Barice Nelson Presents uh, helps me put on not just that show, but a couple other ones. And it's so worth it to me to give him some of my money because I don't have to do anything. I just, you know, a couple of posts. I don't have to run the ads. I don't have to deal with renting the theater or any of that shit. But then I have to watch the ads that he puts up, and he just... One of them, one of them said, number one touring comedian in the USA. That was the promo for my show at the Washington Center. Come see the number one, it actually said, voted number one touring comedian in USA. I don't recall that vote. People just make up shit for ads all the time. I mean, I try not to when I'm in charge. I don't like it when I go to a club and the poster says, like, shit that I haven't done. And really like, Tonight Show! And I'm like, I never did the Tonight Show. Don't lie to these people. I mean, every poster of every famous comedian now should just say, like, Algorithm! seen him on algorithm. Please welcome. I probably told this story before, but one time I opened for, uh, two, two times I opened for Mitch Hedberg, uh, RIP, one of my favorite comedians ever. Been dead a long time now. Uh, it was very cool, just these, I mean, I know, I'm sure a lot of people listening know Mitch Hedberg, but if you don't, just these kind of weird, abstract one-liners, you know, jokes like, they say the recipe for Sprite is lemon and lime, but I tried to make some at home, and I think there's more to it than that. Uh, just fun jokes. And a real weird dude, like, kind of wore dark glasses, didn't make eye contact, did a lot of things you're not supposed to do as a stand-up comedian. Uh, had a lot of jokes that didn't work. The times I worked with him, he would, he would have, you know, because his jokes were all 15 seconds long or whatever, so it's like, he would have like 20 jokes that didn't work, but then he would just riff about how they didn't work. It was still a, overall an amazing show. One time he said it, this, I never forgot this line. One time he said a joke, it got nothing. 
And then he goes, I'm going to rewrite that joke with a new beginning, middle, and end. Hilarious. But his wife was the host for the shows. And every night she would make up long intros for me of just like, he was just on The Tonight Show. You've seen him on Comedy Central. At that time, I hadn't been on Comedy Central. Uh, you know, HBO special, David Letterman. She's just like listing all of these things. And that was when I, you know, this is probably 2005. I'm not sure about that maybe later but it's where I first realized that people make up well people will come up to me after shows after those shows and they would be like that was great I saw you on the tonight show and I had to be like no you didn't she made that up or I, you know, I saw your HBO special. I'm like, no, that's what I did the first show. Because then the people would argue with me. They'd be like, no, I did see you on the Tonight Show. So by the second show, I was just like, thank you very much. Jay Leno is a good dude because that's who was hosting back then. And I still do that. I mean, if it's like the merch line or whatever, it's an it's a quick conversation. I'm not going to argue with people. Because people go, even now they go, I saw you on Comedy Central. And it's probably not true. That was in 2009. I had short hair and hope. I bet you didn't see me on Comedy Central. Or they go, I've seen you on TV. And I just go, probably. But it was more likely TikTok or some shit. But it's a very weird thing that you can't argue with people. You can't be like, no, I wasn't on that show. They get mad at you. Yeah, you were. I saw you. I know I've talked about this Mitch Hedberg weekend before uh, on the podcast, but whatever. 12.45 in the morning, I'll tell it again. I'm just trying to stay awake at this point. <laughs> it was such a hilarious weekend because uh, that club was called the Urban Comedy Cafe. Uh, which, you know, in entertainment terms, urban means like not white. You know, urban. Like, black. But it was not booked like an urban comedy club. Uh, and so no one... I did other shows there and like no one hardly ever came to the shows. It would be like the owner and uh, his girlfriend, I think. You know, there'd be like 12 people at every show. But Mitch Hedberg was big enough that... No matter where he went, he was going to bring people in. So they sold out both of these shows. Actually, the night before, I only did the Saturday two shows. But on the Friday, he left after the first show. He didn't perform a second show because he was so mad at the promoter for, like, I don't know, 
charging too much money for the tickets or something, or I don't know. I don't know how that makes it better to not perform for the second audience, but you know, what do you want? He died six months later of a drug overdose, so. But this club was so shitty that it was like, it was folding chairs. And then I think, you know, he was charging like $40 for the front of the room, $30 for the back half of the room. No, it wasn't folding chairs. It was plastic lawn chairs. That's what it was. Like shitty backyard deck furniture. So you could get drinks and stuff. You had nowhere to put them. Also, there was food, but it was literally Costco appetizers. It was like those little mini quiches or like little Costco taquitos. And then they had a microwave in the back and they were just like, they would put it on a paper plate and bring it to them. So you're sitting in a plastic lawn chair holding a greasy paper plate with a taquito and a broccoli mini quiche on it. You're setting your drink on the ground. Also, like I said, there was no staff because there never needed to be a staff. So that weekend was sold out. This club owner, his other business was he ran a strip club. So he got all these strippers to work the comedy club that weekend. So there's all these Russian girls stumbling around like newborn giraffes in their high-heeled stripper shoes trying to bring people drinks cursing each other in Russian could I get a Bud Light? I don't know we're very busy hilarious chaos hilarious chaos club closed shortly after. But some say on quiet nights. You can still hear a Russian stripper say, this quiche tastes like shit. Anyway, Mitch Hedberg died. I went on to become the number one touring comedian in the USA. that had one of their shows canceled this weekend due to lack of interest. Now I just drove past a giant pile of clothes in the middle of the fucking freeway. Good Lord! Those pants might have been my size. I'm going to go back. Do you feel like it's harder to buy clothes as you get older? I do. I just, I mean, I feel like in my 20s, I just bought, I would buy a shirt, I would buy pants. I mean, in my 20s, I would go back later and buy bigger pants, because that's kind of the trend I was on at the time. But I don't remember thinking anything about any of the clothes I bought. If it fit over my body, I would just be like, it fits. And now I'm like, I need some new pants. 
I buy the pants, I put them on, I'm like, I don't, mm, a little big in the crotch. Or maybe I'm a little small in the crotch. Or like, they don't sit right. Or like, they're not the right, the length, they're too long or too short. I'm fucking Goldilocks with my clothes now. This t-shirt fits weird, doesn't it? Why are the sleeves so big? Why are the sleeves so tight? It's, it's way too much uh, pickiness for a person who, in general, dresses like shit. A guy who wears jeans and a t-shirt every day, on and off stage now. shirt right now that says Saturday on it because it's Saturday. It was Saturday. I'm not going to change it to my Sunday shirt on the drive home. I wonder if there's any pull tab restaurants open right now. Got a little merch money I could double. This is the problem. Like I have to, I have to get up tomorrow fairly early. I mean, I don't, my kids are old enough, I don't need to, like, get up when they get up. It's not like when they were very small. But one, they're loud as hell. Uh, but also, uh, my daughter, Maisie, has to go to her driving school class tomorrow at 10 a.m. So ideally, I would go home and go to sleep right away. But I can't. It takes a little while to wind down after uh, two shows and a drive. knew this would happen uh, because I'm taking a special in July and I didn't know what I was going to do with my new joke ideas between, you know, whenever I knew about the special, which is a month or two ago, and July because I could start doing them and then just not do them for the special, but then it's a weird rhythm. Like, I want to be used to doing when I record the special, I want to do it the way I've been doing it. I don't want to think, oh, and I have to cut out these two jokes because I know they're not as good as they're going to get yet. And that's kind of happening. I have another set of notes on my phone that's like, Jokes for after. I riffed something tonight on stage that I can't remember right now. That I was like, that's pretty funny. Do I save that for the second week of July? Actually, I think that's what I'm taping. But I've been with my wife uh, since we were both 19 years old. I know, I'm getting surprised this year. Uh, I should check my texts. 
That's the thing, even when you're getting along, when you've been married 25 years, if you went home and your partner wasn't there, you'd be like, I get it. <laughs> there's no, 25 years in, there's no like, why? You're like, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> we had a pretty good run. <laughs> We've both been ignoring a lot of shit. <laughs> I think I'm going to call the special Day-Old Jesus. Because I have a joke that uses that phrase. And I also think it's a little confusing. You don't know what it is. It's intriguing. But I could be talked out of it. I wrote about this in my book that's going to come out eventually. And uh, I may have talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, but I, I, I said it in a green room in Vegas, and uh, I got a pretty good laugh out of it. I'm like, oh, maybe that is a bit. Uh, the only time I ever kissed a man <laughs> was a game of truth or dare when I was either 18 or 19 years old. say 19. My wife was also in this game of truth or dare. And like, you know, everyone's drunk. I don't think I was actually. I didn't drink then. But that truth or dare game actually kind of got my wife and I together because we, we like made out. We got dared to make out. We got dared to do like seven minutes in the closet or whatever that fucking game is. And we enjoyed ourselves and we continued that later. But people were daring bros to kiss each other. And if so if anyone ever says to me, like, how do you know you're not gay? I I I tried. I mean, first base. Also, first-based gay is, like, way harder than, like, third-based gay. If you told me I had to make out with a dude or give him a hand job, uh, that's a closer call than you'd think. But I wouldn't do both, because that would be gay. My point is, I did not like kissing this dude that I had to kiss in the Truth or Dare game. Uh, I would say I made a face like I was about to lick a frozen flagpole before I kissed him. He, on the other hand, uh, was really into it. Seemed to be having a great time. Not just, you know, yeah. A couple years later, uh, that guy came out of the closet as a gay man, and I'll be honest, I was pretty cocky about it. I was like, I get it. 
once you get a taste of these lips. <laughs> anyway, that guy's dead now. Not all my stories have a good ending. Tonight, I was working with uh, one of the comedians I was working with, uh, Rachel Afjay, lives in Tacoma, Washington. She was the middle act at Club Comedy in Seattle this weekend. And I think she, no, someone else asked me how long I've been doing comedy. Maybe she did. I said 22 years. And then she was quiet for a second and she goes, I was in second grade. Studio key has got a little giddy up. All right, talk to you next time. Pfft.